Welcome to the sermon podcast from North Decatur United Methodist Church, where all are welcomed and included, connected with God and with one another, and sent out in service and invitation to the world. Each week we bring you the most recent sermon from me, Patrick Fallhaber, or from guest preachers. Thank you for listening and subscribing. So what Sophie just read for us is what's called the Beatitudes, um, and that beginning there, what the translation that she read is happy are, it could also be blessed are, but I think happy really gets its attention, because I don't know if um, you were paying attention to the kinds of people who are happy. It's not generally what makes me happy. When I'm happiest is when I'm feeling like most content about the world around me. I am really happy when all the distractions disappear and I'm just alone working on a project that I'm really excited about. Like, I was really happy when I finished building my first chair. Man, I was happy. I was really happy when I was on vacation in, in Paris. Man, hashtag blessed, right? Like, super happy. Uh, about that. I was really happy to be able to spend time with my family over the holidays when everything was sort of at peace and we had gotten through all of the like weird little tensions of we haven't seen you in a long time, like small talk stuff that's just sort of boring into like real deep family attentive love. That made me feel happy. And so then when I read about what Jesus says, I'm like, I think you're wrong, man. (laughs) You know, happy, happy are people who are hopeless. Happy are people who grieve. Those feel contradictory to me. Happy are people who are humble. Happy are people who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Happy are people who show mercy. Happy are people who have pure hearts. That one I think I can start to swing into. Happy are people who make peace. Happy are people whose lives are harassed. And it starts to feel, to me, because of where we are in the Bible, it can start to feel like a list of rules about how to be happy in the presence of of God. It's actually really perfect timing that John is talking about the Ten Commandments, because in a lot of ways we should be thinking about the Ten Commandments here. In Matthew's Gospel, uh, the author And reflecting on Jesus's life and reflecting on Jesus's teachings, he's being really mindful to tie Jesus's ministry and Jesus's life into the ancient story of Israel. And he spends a lot of time and careful attention to equate Jesus's call into the kingdom of God with Moses's call to lead the people from slavery in Egypt through the desert into a new kingdom. Jesus essentially is coming to us in the midst of our own slavery, as our uh, communion liturgy says, our own slavery to sin and death, to bring us to freedom 
through the wilderness into the kingdom of God. It's mirrored almost perfectly. And when Jesus ascends the mountain, he does the same thing that Moses does. Jesus heals. He brings some new life to people who have been bound by the circumstances that they were handed in their life. People who have been sick and ostracized by their community, people who have been possessed, people who have no agency over their own lives. Jesus walks through Galilee and brings them a fresh path to a renewed life. And after he's brought freedom to these people, he ascends to the top of the mountain just like Moses does, and he begins to teach. And the first thing we receive from Jesus is a list of nine Beatitudes, very similar to the Ten Commandments that Moses gives after he ascends the mountain for the first time. Moses gives, receives from God an instruction that becomes what we know as the, the Ten Commandments. And John's going to continue going through that with the kids. So if you want to learn about those, come on back, and you could leave at, what, 10, 20, and you'd, be, you'd, you'd receive all of that uh, good news. Um, but so th- those Ten Commandments were given to the people of Israel, or the Hebrew people who had become the people of Israel. And then they go through a long season where they eventually inherit this land and become a really powerful kingdom. And then through the corruption that power continues to instill within kingdoms of this world, they start to pull apart. The kingdom of God starts to collapse in on itself. And you end up with a bunch of people, mostly almost exclusively men, who uh, misuse and abuse their own people, forcing them into a new season of slavery and exile. And so Jesus comes into that experience of exile and persecution, often even at the hands of their own people, and he offers a new path, not to negate the laws that have, been, that have come from Moses, but to offer a new perspective on what it means to be blessed. What it means to be grounded in the presence of God. What it means to trust in this good news that, that all the evils of this world can actually be transformed. And there is an opportunity for new life. That is what Jesus comes into the world to offer. And his first teaching, his first teaching includes a list describing who the people are that are blessed. Because in our society... The people who are blessed are the people at the top of, tops of all the ladders. You're blessed when you no longer have to work and you can rest comfortably on a beach somewhere, right? That's what we think about as being blessed. You're blessed when you don't have a care in the world. That's what we think about when you're blessed. You're, you're blessed when you're able to, to do things that you could have never imagined before. That's what it means to be, to be blessed in this world. It means that you have, you have kept enough. You've worked enough. You've earned enough. You've received enough to where you no longer feel burdened by the world around you. That's how we tend to think about blessing. And, you know, if we're trying to be faithful, sometimes we'll try to pivot that to say, like, I've received and so now I can give out from my abundance. And I think that's a good thing. Don't hear me say that's not a good thing. It is. But what Jesus is describing is radically different even from that. 
Well, Jesus is saying it might not actually be the case that the king is blessed. It might be the case that the, the servant is blessed. It might not be the case that the, the CEO is blessed with incredible work ethic and time management and the right connections. It might actually be the person that's been struggling to find and maintain a job. Happy are the people who are hopeless because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. It's so hard to hold those things together in our world. They don't belong together. Happiness and hopelessness. Blessedness and, and hopelessness. Happiness and grief. Happiness and hunger. That's why I think Jesus says it. Because in some ways it, it forces us out of the norms of our society. It forces us to rethink where our priorities are. It forces us to rethink where we're spending our, our time and our energy. Because often, just like confessionally for me, like when I start feeling, when I start working really hard, and it's hilarious to talk about this as a pastor. You want to? I will gladly vent to you about what the like work of being a pastor is versus what I was told would be the vocation of ministry. <laughs> we can talk all about that. I've got opinions, um, but uh, it's wild. The church is no different than any other, and I, I'm sad to say this, but any other corporate environment. There are people. There are ladders to climb. There are people to impress. There are folks who have power in systems and folks who are pushed out because of the power in that systems. I mean, anybody in this room who uh, is part of the LGBTQ community, you continue to feel that, feel that daily. The church has gone through seasons where we forcibly segregated the worship of God. The church is messed up. And I confess being a part of it all the time. <laughs> but even in my own work, there's this draw to participate in the maintenance of systems so that you can work your way up the ladder of success. And if that's true in the church, I know it's true in whatever environment you're in. There's always a ladder to climb. And when I'm not being mindful of what God has called me to, I start to idolize that path. And I start orienting my work around the ladder and not about the call of God. And what I could do is name each rung of that ladder as a little blessing. I've worked hard and earned this place. Are you uncomfortable yet? The church is messed up. You see what I mean, though? Like that. Maybe I'm off base here. Maybe your your environments of uh, vocation don't work this way, but it certainly feels that way in the church. 
And I've witnessed that in other corporate environments. And it can become very easy to stop saying the important truth so that you can receive the next gift. Not from God, but from the institution itself. And this is the reorientation that Jesus is calling us to. Because what feels like a blessing in a corporate environment or a systems environment in general sometimes might actually mean that we've pivoted our focus from the presence of God and what God might be doing to bring about compassion and justice and mercy and resurrection. We might pivot our attention from that to my own success. And then we can start to replace God's voice with my own voice. And suddenly, I'm way more interested in what I want and finding ways to make that sound like God. Do you understand what I'm... You see how easy that is? It's so easy. It's so easy to replace God with myself. It happens all the time in any environment. And so Jesus steps into to this space. Again, he's just walked through the uh, countryside of Galilee, healing people, offering them new life. In the first century, it's important to really understand this. When, when Jesus was healing people, he wasn't just making them feel better. He was reintroducing them to their community. Because if you were sick in any way, you would be pushed out lest you make your community unclean. So Jesus is walking to a bunch of people who've been pushed out of their community, pushed out of any sense of safety, and reintroducing them to their families to their communities, to these places again. And then he's sitting down with them at the top of the mountain to tell them your experience is not only valid, but it is a proof of God's abundant love at the margins of every society. You, the people who are gathered there, they're, at this point, it's a group of disciples and like newly healed folks who are following him. And he tells them, blessed Happy are you. People who've only experienced pain, at least in this recent, most recent history. Happy are you. And then he describes their circumstances. When people revile you. Happy are you when you've mourned and grieved your community abandoning you. Happy are you who've been pushed to the margins. And confined to an issue. Happy are you. Because it's in those marginal spaces that God's voice is most easily heard. And so for those of us who hold any sense of power or comfort, this becomes a real challenge. How do we attune to the heart of God? Well, we seek out those margins? How do we grow in our understanding of God's compassionate heart? We sit at the side of someone who's grieving because they are the blessing 
humility, a focus on God, an ability to grieve, a lost sense of hope. All of these things help us pivot from our own voice to God's voice. And what may be even more beautiful, and I, I think we probably need to sit with that discomfort for a little bit, but Jesus moves on from there. Right after these blessings, Jesus looks to these folks and says, You are the salt of the earth. Again, this isn't blessed are they anymore. This is you. Blessed are you. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how will it become salty again? It's good for nothing except to be thrown away and trampled under people's feet. You're the light of the world. A city on top of a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on a lampstand, and it shines on all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people so that they can see the good things you do and praise your Father who is in heaven. Don't even begin to think that I have come to do away with the law and the prophets. I haven't come to do away with them, but to fulfill them. I say this to you very seriously, that as long as heaven and earth exist, neither the smallest letter nor the smallest stroke of a pen will be erased from the law until everything there becomes a reality. Salt, (laughs) there are expiration dates on salt packages for some reason, but to my knowledge, salt does not go bad. (laughs) And I could be wrong about this, but salt is how humanity survived because it was used to preserve food. It was used to preserve spaces and dry things that need to be dried. Salt doesn't lose its saltiness, right? Jesus is talking to a group of people who, again, they've been marginalized their whole lives. They've been confined to the margins of society in every way. And the disciples who are just, God bless them, they are confused 100% of the time. Jesus is looking at these flawed, hurt, broken people and saying, You are the salt of the earth. You preserve what is good. You preserve what is good in this world. You're the light of the world. You illumine what we would too often hope to cover up. You see those two paths. Who maintains the goodness of the earth? It's the people who have a compassionate heart because they have experienced the worst that this life has to offer. Because they're able to do that and still see and receive the grace of God, they participate in the transformation of the world. They keep the rotting, they, they keep the fresh things from rotting, and they preserve what is good. 
You are the light of the world. There is a festering here, too. Things that we too often keep in the dark in order to hold on to what power we have. You are the light. And a city on a hill cannot be hidden. You illumine the whole house. That's the gift. Any of you who have experienced the hardship of this world, that is the gift that is available in it. Through hardship, we learn the the heart of God. And we learn to speak the truth about what festers beneath the surface of our society. We preserve what is good and we illumine what is evil. So if you have found yourself on a margin with a genuine sense of hopelessness and pain and grief, may you teach us what it means to preserve the best of this world and cleanse the hatred within it. You are the salt in this world and the light to illumine all things that is spoken by Jesus himself. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon from North Decatur United Methodist Church. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. And if you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at ndumc.org.